What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. And as always, I'm your host, Bailey Agbrett, and joined with me to the right is Mr. Andy Fult. Going on. What up? Not and a whole to the lot. Bottom here, we have the uh, the host of Business from the Bass Boat, hot off uh, a fiery tournament at Lake Havasu. Nice finish back home. Thanks, Probably not settled just yet, but trying to, Mr. Adam Deacon. What's up, fellas? Man, it sucks to kind of be back in Colorado and there be snow and stuff. I was, uh, I was, even though it was cold a little bit in the mornings at Havasu, I, I miss, uh, I miss at least it getting warmer in the afternoon. So, uh, I guess that's, uh, that's my update. I know you're in Florida, so you've got a lot uh, to look forward to the next month or so. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I think this is probably the coolest place I've done a podcast. Not that we've done a podcast in too many places besides, you know, my office in the apartment, but like I got, in ground pool right here i'm in outside in florida weather and a sun shirt and a blackfish sun hoodie like i'm kicking it right now and i know andy's in a blackfish sun hoodie as well but if he went outside he'd be much colder than i am <laughs> it, actually it was uh, a balmy 54 here today it was actually quite pleasant for uh western new york i was ru- i was running around in a long sleeve and shorts so it was a nice day yeah and which is wild because friday when I started driving, it was, it was five degrees. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. New York sucks. Don't move to New York. <laughs> yeah. But uh, months out of the year, I'd love to live there. Yeah. But that I mean, like you talked about it though, Deke, like that's honestly my favorite time of year when you can wear a hoodie in the morning. Like it's not hot right off the get go, but then you can take the hoodie off and wear like sun pants and a shirt throughout the rest of the day. That's always the nice part. And then you can like, it's cold enough at the night. So you can have like a nice fire, have some beers around the fire. That's like, mint i'm with you mm-hmm. well dude uh today's show is gonna be a lot of fun we got mr todd klein on who won the recent toyota series on lake havasu which you yourself fished uh place 14th and i'm intrigued so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have todd on here for a little while we're gonna dive into his event his win and afterwards when we let todd go we're gonna dive into deacon's tournament because dude we we, we were feeling for you on day one and then day two we're like damn the dude come around here slapping people around, making his way back in, ready for a, a day three comeback. So it was, uh, I'm excited to to dive into that, dude. But any any preliminary thoughts before we get we get Todd on here? No, man. I mean, I guess just with how the tournament went, I'm super pumped to get Todd on. I talked to him day two um, and just watched like his bags. I could not believe like, okay, day one catches 22, and then day two like backs it up with 23. It was like my gosh, he is, he is straight up catching them. So it was, it was cool to see that it was tough, man. I mean, the bites were not easy to come by, at least for me anyway, like in practice and stuff, when I got bit, it was a good one, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was getting 15 bites a day or anything like that. And that definitely showed uh, day one for me. Um, but it was, uh, it was tough. It was a cool place. I've only been to Havasu one other time. So it was cool to get there in the spring um and uh enjoyed the lake and i can't wait to uh to get into the interview with todd heck yeah andy anything before we bring todd on here any news for people before we get started uh right now everything's pretty chill i just want to say i i wish i lived like less than three thousand miles away from the southwest uh bodies of water because a lot of them look really cool to fish so Dude, the yeah. scenery is unreal on that place. Yeah. And like a lot of, right? Like I, I love it. Like I just, Mojave, Havasu, all that. I just love the desert from that perspective. So I, uh, I agree. I, Andy, you're welcome in my boat anytime, man. Fly down. It's Vegas. You can fly at least from 
Denver to Vegas, you can fly for like $28 right now. And then it's a two hour drive. So I'm sure I just, I hate, I hate flying. So like, absolutely. Oh, and Deacon, I should show you the context conversation (laughs) of Andy and I booking our flights for Red Crest. It is hilarious. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, do I just drive? Like, I, I was like, I, I, it's a control thing. I hate. I just hate flying. Hate it. Oh man, I don't mind it at all. Three I, hours I, are a lot better than twenty-five hours of driving. Yeah, yeah, I but I like, I like looking at what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't know, just one of those weird things that I don't like. I'm with you. <laughs> it was so funny though. I'm like Andy. I proposed to my girlfriend at the time so that I didn't have to have a girlfriend anymore. I don't need you to be like the girlfriend. Like I have to do to hold your hand and go through this. Like <laughs> please do. Please do. I was letting him have it. I'm like, come on, buddy. <laughs> Good. Flights are booked. I'll uh there'll be videos on the Sears Angler social of me holding Andy's hand through the airport and on the flight to make sure he gets there okay. I'll be okay, but you don't have to hold my hand. That'd be a really funny picture. <laughs> Oh, it's good. Well, boys, I think we can we can make fun of Andy yeah. later. I think it's uh, I think it's time to get Mr. Todd Klein here on the show. Mr. Todd Klein, what's going on, man? Good, good evening, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, I've enjoyed sitting on the sidelines watching you guys banter so far. It's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. that's. I don't, know, I don't know where you're. Hey, Adam, I don't know where you're finding twenty eight dollar flights though. Let me in on that, yeah. dude. See, uh, it was, gosh. I want to say Frontier had one, Southwest had one. I think it was like right after Southwest did all that. My dad flew in for a couple of days of practice. So he flew to Vegas. Yeah. I think for $28 from Denver to Vegas. That is mind blowing. And then he drove, a, then his rental car was $12 a day in Vegas. Wow. And I mean, you know, like driving from Vegas to Havasu is just straight shot, super easy oh, yeah. to drive. Yeah. So it was, uh, I was like, wow, this is uh, people want uh, Vegas wants people to come to them. Clearly, like I was blown away at those prices. Yeah, they're probably, cool. probably paying people's flights if they come gamble. Exactly. You know, they're going to spend it's, triple the amount of what they're paying for flights. <laughs> yeah, it's an economic There's some, some sort of deal going on. We're, we were no talking security. weather with everything, Todd, but you're you're in that beautiful weather all the time zone aren't you over there and you're, you're near san diego or where exactly I'm in, are you? I'm in san clemente so it's it's considered a beach town i'm about three miles from uh pacific ocean and and as crazy as it is adam you know it was nice out there but when i got back here on sunday i jumped out of the truck because i just had to straighten some things up before i put my boat away and i jumped out of the truck and i was like it felt hot like warmer than the desert. And I was kind of blown away by that actually. Wow. So it's interesting. It's, it's nicer weather here right now than, than they currently have out there in, uh, in Arizona. Or I should be specific because Arizona is a very diverse state. As right. climate goes. So uh, Lake Havasu. There you go. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit, talking about being right next to the beach because Todd, you mentioned something. We're not going to get into it right now, but to tease it for, for folks that are watching now and listening uh, later, is and you tease me on the phone because I've been having to sit here for three hours wanting to know the you know what you were going to talk about with that you used to surf professionally before you're fishing professionally and how that's helped you mentally and I'm actually super curious to get into that later. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, just kind of a fast track. I grew up in uh, South Florida, and as a kid, you know, you know now being down there in Florida, but specifically South Florida, you can 
you can ride a, you know, as a kid, you ride a bike a mile in any direction, throw it in the bushes and just start walking and fishing, you know, whether it's brackish, fresh, whatever, there's, there's water in Florida. And so Mm -hmm. I grew up fishing. That was my number one passion. And then kind of early teens, about, you know, 13, I started surfing and really took a liking to that. And there's a lot of parallels and we'll talk about some of those here shortly, but just as a whole, not necessarily on the competitive side, but there's a lot of parallels between surfing and fishing. It's just you, the wilderness and uh, are the outdoors, I should say. And, and, um, you know, so I gravitated towards that and I really jumped into the competitive side and had success. Long story short, I drove across the country when I was 21 to go full speed as a professional and, uh, was able to make a, a solid living for five years surfing. And then, uh, parlayed that as I was actually seeking a sponsorship from one that I had left already, which was one of my first sponsors at the time was Quicksilver, the apparel company. And I was knocking on the door and they kept telling me no, kept telling me no, but I left on good terms with them. And finally they said, okay, here's the deal, Todd, we're going to bring you in. Uh, we'll, we're going to sponsor you, but we're going to wind down the surf and we're going to give you an opportunity to, to get a foot in the door on the marketing side. And 16 years later, I finished up as a marketing director there and, uh, was an it was basically a, a paid education. You know, it was awesome. That's super cool. So like, how did, with everyone that's new to the show, we always kind of bring it back to the roots and kind of ask how you got your start in the very first place. Like who introduced you to it? First bass you caught, how did you get your start into bass fishing? Sorry, my computer just got all weird on me. Um, whoa, did I lose you? No, we okay. got you. Yeah, you're good. Where the heck did the screen go? <laughs> oh, no. We can so, hear you. Yeah, we can hear and see you just fine. Wow, what a bummer. I might not be able to watch you guys anymore and see your cute faces. I, I, I think your computer is help doing you a favor. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so I'll, 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 <laughs> just, I'll, just, I'll just I'll run it uh, blind. So, sorry, what was the question? Yeah, so uh, we're trying to throw it back to your start. Like you mentioned, you got to where you got into fishing in the first place was where you grew up over there on you know on the Pacific. Uh, but how did you get your start into bass fishing, and who was the reason that you got that start? Um, you know – my dad definitely introduced me to it, but then I just, I had a lot of friends in the neighborhood. We'd, we'd come home from school and literally grab like a, a bag of plastic worms, bag of bullet weights and some hooks and, and one, you know, one fishing pole and take off. And that, that was, that was the majority of my fishing, uh, for most of my life. And, you know, once in a while, my dad would take me out on the boat. Um, and that, but most of my youth was, you know, just doing my own thing. A lot of, a lot of times it was solo, you know? And, and even then, you know, you, you would, you would put stuff together, but it wasn't until I really moved out to California where I actually realized there's a, there's a full science to it, you know, and you got to understand, you know, uh, so many different intricacies of, of, you know, what's going on out there to actually, you know, constantly catch fish and not just catch them, but, you know, catch the ones that you want to be catching, you know, but I definitely, definitely cut my teeth down there. Dad, dad would have been the, uh, the one that first introduced me. Heck Yeah. We, uh, before we start diving into your tournament, uh, we did get a question here before the show even started, people were firing off some questions for you in the live feed. Uh, and this one was from Anthony Geis and he's asking, uh, you being a straight up beast as a co-angler, which angler helped you out the most or gave you the most insight? Anything that was good in your, uh, transitioning from the front of the boat, from the back of the boat? Um, you know, I, I, there was actually, when I first got going out here, because it is so, oh, I just saw myself there for a second. Sorry, I found it. I've been working <laughs> nice. on this. Right. He's back. There we are. I'm back. I'm Welcome back. back. Welcome back. Sorry, I couldn't, sit, I couldn't sit in the corner by myself. I'm back now. I feel more comfortable. 
I had two buddies that lived in the same neighborhood because I was, I wanted to buy a boat, right? Once I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. When I realized, okay, I want to start fishing in California. When I first moved here, it's a desert. There is no lakes. There is no canals. You know, it's like, I can't bass fish in California. And it was pre-internet not to date myself. And so I didn't bass fish for like 10 years living in California when I first got out here. Um, and when I was still traveling for surfing, uh, I was fishing in South Africa. Uh, I would, I would catch bass in France. I was wow. fishing still all over the world, except where I lived. And finally, after, you know, people would say, Oh, you need to go check this out. You need to go check this out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's great. What is it? You know, a puddle, like how big is it? You know, I'm used to like seeing Okeechobee, you know, one of the largest lakes in the world. And here I am in the desert. So finally, you know, I started to get into it and I started asking questions and meeting people. And I met, met two brothers, uh, Brian and Kevin Linehan, real great anglers, uh, you know, for, for our region. And Kevin's actually the Western regional. I don't know if he's sales manager. He's, he's big with Mercury uh, now. And uh, those guys, you know, really just, you know, kind of helped me get started because it is so polar opposite of fishing, you know, a deep spot in Florida is six feet. A deep spot here could be 75, you know, so it's, it was a polar opposite transition. And those guys really helped me a lot. Another gentleman by the name of Jay Poor, who's I'll call the, uh, the uh, Yoda of Castaic. Um, he's been around for a long time, just gave me a lot of insight as well. I mean, there's been a lot of guys, but you know, when I was co-angling, I would, obviously I wanted to win, but more importantly, I wanted to be respectful because it, it is such a small industry. And any of you co's that are out there, you know, want to cut your teeth or you're already doing it. You know, obviously, you know, you want to win, but just be respectful because it is such a small community that if you, you know, you get a little crazy out there, you get a reputation and you only have, you know, you only get one chance to make, make that name for yourself. And it's harder to make that, you know, reputation better as opposed to, you know, establishing it as a good person and then coming back maybe a little bit on occasion here and there. Um, but I learned a lot, you know, no matter who you drew, if it was a big name, you could learn a lot of things, good and bad. If it was a, a, a nobody you, you never heard of, you could still learn good and bad. And it's just, you have to have the lens, uh, you know, an open mind and just be a complete sponge to, to be willing to, to take that on. And that's what I was. And that's, that's why I did it a little bit longer um, than maybe some guys did. And I even had, you know, pros go, dude, you're doing the right thing. I jumped out of it too early, you know? Um, so it was, it was a great opportunity. I think it's awesome what MLF and uh, One Bass offer. One Bass is unique because it's shared weight and um, you know, you really embrace the co-angler there. I mean, and, you know, if I draw, if I draw you at the AZ Open, there's a good chance I'm going to be tying your lineup in the morning. I'm going to have your baits for you. And I'm going to tell you how the whole place lays out and, you know, what we're doing. I'll tell you the cadence, the whole deal, you know, and uh, if, if, if they, you know, if they, they listen and they, they do it right, then we're doing the best we can out there, you know? So it's uh, I, I enjoy being able to, uh, you know, kind of give back and, and help the others because it was definitely key in, in, you know, getting me to where I'm at at this point, you know? Heck yeah. That, that's such a good point to you about how fast word travels in this industry. Well, you know, and, and it, it, it's true what I just said, but also, you know, one thing I've learned real quick too, and you gotta, you gotta put the filter out there. Uh, you know, people, that's one thing I, I, it's kind of a bummer. It's not just the fishing industry. It's people as a whole with the internet now and it's true. You know, social media, you get a lot of people, you know, and it's, you know, they start stuff and it's not even remotely true, you know? And uh, so you just, you just, you know, you gotta have your filters on and, 
definitely be aware of what people are saying out there, but just, just do the right thing and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And, and I think guys, what Anthony was getting at there is, I don't know if you guys realize Todd has won what four times from the back of the boat as a co-angler. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible, man. Yeah, um, I look back on that recently, actually, and I'm like, how the heck did I do that? <laughs> like, man, I so I fished two of the Western events last year as a co-angler. And then last year, I kind of took and, and fished Champlain as a co-angler and did all these different places, flew in, same kind of deal. You can, That's awesome. For those of you out there, Southwest, you can fly with your rod and reels uh, in, in its own situation, as well as a tackle bag. All checked bags are free, and fishing equipment counts for that. So if you are looking to travel as a co-angler, Southwest for sure is a pretty cool situation. But, man, it is hard from the back of the boat. It is very hard, and I took the same approach, a little the learning aspect. And uh, it's great to hear that you did that for a long period of time. I think that's a uh, an important thing to, to learn as much as you can. Deacon, are you a uh, travel agent during the day? You're doing a lot of promoting for uh, flights on this thing. Tell <laughs> <laughs> no you what, the Get next, a deal. The, yeah, the next sponsorship for the Serious Angler and Business from the Bass Boat Podcast is going to be Southwest Airlines. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. You're right. That was pretty good. Todd, it sounds like uh, on the podcast coming up here soon, we need to do like a co-angler panel and have like you. Brian knew, like I would even argue from our area, Andy, like Sakai Ushio, who's Sakai, won a yeah. bunch of from Dude, the back yeah. of the boat, like some legends of the co-angler, legends from the back of the Justin boat. Justin Lucas. Justin yeah, Lucas a, won a bunch. The OG, yeah. I think that, that would be a great show to have. And, and obviously, it's not the premise of tonight's show as much as I want to start diving into co-angler questions, but uh, I guess this is me reserving you now for another show down the road. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm good. Perfect. We'll see. We'll see what Southwest comes to this table with. Maybe I can get a cut of that. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> we'll get you some free flights if you come out. Again. Yeah, that'll work. Peanuts. Exactly. exactly. We'll get you a window seat. There you go. All right. So let's start diving into the tournament. Um, and again, we don't want to pull any you know juice out of you because you got another derb to go in here in a couple of weeks. But uh, you know, start it from practice. Like your first when you put the boat in. What was kind of going through your mind? Like, what were you expecting throughout the week? Kind of how you approach things. So I, I love Lake Havasu. Two, my two favorite fisheries uh, so far that I've been able to go to are Clear Lake in, in Arizona or uh, in uh, Lake Havasu. And they're polar opposite. But um, love them both. You guys touched on a little bit just the landscape out there at Lake Havasu. It's so beautiful. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, it's diverse with smallmouth and largemouth. And they both play a major role. And that time of year, um, generally for me, it's it's always the brown ones. I'm always chasing the, the smallmouth. Uh, I've put a lot of time in out there. I've got you know a lot of stuff marked and um, have a lot of confidence in a lot of different things out there that time of year. And I like the fact that it's it's really tough fishing that time of year generally because um, you know don't get me wrong, I love to be able to catch a ton of fish, but I also you know, don't like the fact when you're literally, it's, you know, it's a, it's a game of ounces or, you know, it's a, it's a full blown spawn and it becomes more of an Easter egg hunt, you know, um, which, you know, at the end of, at the end of the day, I'll adapt to all of it, but, but I like that time of year out there. So I'll, I'll jump into it. And, and I went out there with the mindset, okay, you're going to catch smallmouth, And, you know, with that said, still kind of looking around a little bit for the large mouth, but, you know, it was, it was cold. When I first got there, water temps were as crazy as it is, was 
upper 55, just maybe almost 56. I saw at one point and then we had, you know, big drop in, in uh, temperatures, winds really kicked up. And uh, so, the, you know, by the time that the tournament started, we were looking at like 51, 52. So that was a big change. Um, but, you know, the first couple of days I was, you know, pretty on par for what I was anticipating as far as the smallmouth went, what I was, you know, hoping to achieve, you know, generally that time of year, I'm going to get five to, to eight bites a day. Um, if I get them all in the boat, I'm going to have 15 to, you know, potentially 20 pounds. Right. And that's fantastic. But hooking them is just, just getting started. Cause generally I got five pound test in my hand and that is scary. Uh, as much as I love it, it's scary. It's scary as heck. And we'll, you know, and I'll elaborate on that here shortly, but Tuesday, the winds blew like 25 and, uh, I didn't want to fish. And I can tell you 95% of the anglers did not fish. I saw your trailer down there, dude. I, I, I launched, uh, I launched as well, man. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes that. But at the same token, it's like, I'm not out there on holiday either to go walk trails and, and look at beautiful Arizona, you know? And, and I always, I always tell myself, I've had this situation before, find one spot, find one bait and you're doing better than you did before you started today. And you're also doing better than a lot of your competition. That's obviously sitting home and doing whatever. Right. So I launch and I, I told myself, keep the spinning rods in the box and pull out some bigger stuff and go figure out how to catch some green ones started doing that you know good good two three hours into it i haven't had one and i make a little adjustment i catch a three and a half pounder and the way it all happened i'm like you know even though i was stoked i caught it on a particular bait i said hold on maybe i can tweak things just a little bit and might be able to even do better than than that you know and so i made a couple of adjustments bite four pounder bite five pounder i'm like Oh, wait a minute. What, what's going on here? So long story short, put a little, you know, plastic, uh, over the hook and I've only got a few hours light, uh, of light left or not even light. I got off the water at like one. Cause I I'd had, you know, about one o'clock I'd had enough. It was, you know, it was jacked up out there. <laughs> I knew I was going to get one more day of practice. Um, uh, but I, you know, I marked some waypoints and then that night I was pretty excited. Cause now I've, I've, you know, I didn't think it was wind reliant and I'm like, I've got a, a, a plan now, you know, and I also have a great plan to fall back on because I've got, you know, four days of pra- practice on, on smallmouth. So the next day it rolls around, still a little breezy out there, but I, I go run completely other, you know, zones. There's one, there's one, there's one. I'm like, all right. All right. Let's see what happens here. And, uh, first morning rolls around and, you know, it was on. And so for me that day, you know, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a good lesson for everybody, you know, it's never going to be, well, I'm not going to say it's never going to be easy. Uh, cause there are going to be some of those times where you just stumble across something that's ridiculous. But my point is that day was not, you know, ideal to be out there fishing. Most guys weren't, I even had someone tell me, Dude, you know, when I was on my way back, I didn't tell them anything. But when I'm on my way back, they tell me on the phone, dude, you're wasting your time out there today. You're not going to find anything. And even if you do, it's not going to carry over into the tournament. I just went. I didn't even answer. You know. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and uh, that's the difference. And, you know, for me, you know, this this whole deal, and we're going to talk definitely more on this topic. But, you know, it's won or lost this, this sport between the years, you know, and it starts right out of the gate. Yeah, I, I appreciate not that, that more. 
I appreciate that so much. I love days that are just foul weather because I know 95% of the people that you're fishing against are already checked out. Especially the ones that are just like, oh, you can just tell by how they react at the boat ramp or the phone call that somebody makes. You're like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Loading loading my boat that day, uh, Todd, I was coming in and – the wind had shifted slightly and it was just ripping on the ramp, right? Yeah, so, that ramp's sketchy, dude. It's horrible. So tight. And it will it will jack your boat up real quick. So sorry to cut you off, but I'll 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 put my my back end out there, power pole down, put a long rope, and then let the wind keep the bow all the way on the other bank almost, you know. Really? Okay. That way, that way it's not touching anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, literally, it's taken me like 30 minutes. I'm by myself, too. So, I'm, yeah. I'm like, literally, I took three ropes <laughs> out of the boat. I had, I connected to like the trolling motor, a front grip, and a back grip, and just like had it off the dock, right? Because yeah. it just to, so it wasn't banging around. But like, then I ran up to my truck yeah. and was like, oh my God, too. it was so <laughs> scary. Sketchy. <laughs> <Get you. laughs> But glad glad to get off the water. But same deal, man. I, I agree. I think that uh, I found some of my fish that day for sure that made a made a difference. And kind of that mental battle of, man, I felt good when there's only seven boat ramps or seven people at the ramp when you know normally there'd be. Yeah, and I heard the other one had nobody up there at, at Windsor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good that, stuff. It's a good lesson, man. It it really is. Uh, I really That's there's bad. some people that say you got us. Uh-oh. You got oh. us, Todd? Yeah. Is it my is it my Wi-Fi? Slightly there, just it just glitched a little bit, but it's not it's not horrible. Huh. I'm I'm now. in the garage, so I think we got you now. Yeah, I think we're good now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we we got you. You're back. Um what I was gonna comment on that is like there's some people that are like, Oh, I found what I needed to find. I'm going to take this last day of practice and I'm just going to wake up. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to rig some tackle. I'm going to relax on the couch. And then well, lo and behold, mother nature comes through and throws you a 180, or you don't have as much as you think you found. And you're like, dang, I wish I had another, you know, basically 12 hours to go and figure something out or yep. use as much time as you can. Like, even yep. if you think you covered a lot, just go do something weird. Like, yeah, go get weird with it. Go do something unique. That's a great point. Use as much time as you can. I mean, until until that day, guys, I didn't, you know, I, I was bumping into a couple green ones, you know, trying to catch the smallmouth, but I, for the most part, I just didn't think the green ones were doing anything, you know what I mean? And then once you figure it out, you're like, holy smokes, how wrong was I, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's crazy because, you know, that's how that tournament usually is, but I'm usually on, you know, the other side, one of the spectators going, how did that dude catch 22 pounds today? That's crazy. And now I was that dude that caught 22 pounds and you're like, I can't believe that just went down like that. You know, and it's, so it's, you know, we always know someone's going to whack them and it just felt good to be the dude that actually whacked them. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, so kind of walk us through day one, you know, throughout that actually the duration of the tournament, really. I know obviously day three seemed like more of a harder day to get the weight that you wanted that you had in the first couple of days, but uh, you know, kind of walk us through the tournament from a mental standpoint. Day one, uh, kind of, you know, went as I was anticipating, like it was, it was pretty good for me. And, and I had, uh, I had my limit, you know, by, 
I'm going to say by 10 30, 11 o'clock, I had that limit. And so I was like, you know, I, I need to lay off a lot of the stuff. It's day one. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, even though it's not a shared weight, I still keep my co-anglers in mind and I'm like, I'm not going to just go park out in the middle. You know what I mean? I need to get this dude some fish. Um, so with that, that in mind, I, you know, I tried to run just new water in hopes of, you know, expanding for the next couple of days. And in addition, you know, trying to get the dude behind me some fish as well. And so, you know, um, that was the goal. And, uh, I think, you know, caught a couple throughout the afternoon, but it just, I, it was good knowing that I didn't, you know, really beat it up, you know, and then day two rolled around and mind you, when I got to those scales, I was blown away to see where I was sitting and what my weight was. And I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Let's, uh, let's just see if we can keep, keep some sort of pace on day two and day two went out there. Um, it was a little slower for me. First fish, uh, you know, and this had happened before, but first fish, it feels like a bite and I swing and I yell net and I literally get to like right here and it just stops. And in my mind, I'm like, gosh, darn it, it's a tree. And mind you, this is like a millisecond, but it, you know, it seems like it's three seconds. I'm like, damn tree. And it goes like this. And I'm like, oh gosh. And uh, my co-angler's like, holy shit. <laughs> and you know, it, it, it's a it's a big one, you know. And that's my first fish in the morning. And I'm like, yes, let's go, you know. And that, that, that was that seven pounder. No, we'll get to that in a second. Oh no. Um. So that's my first fish in the morning, and then uh, run around to another spot, and and get another one fairly quickly. I think it's like a uh, a four pounder or something, you know. So I've got two really solid fish in the well, and it's it's still pretty early in the morning. And I'm like, this this is sick. So I'm moving from one spot transitioning to another and, you know, it's not that far to where I'm actually going to run fast. And, and I say to myself, okay, you got two fish in the well, you know, there's a spot between here and there where you can pull out the spinning rod and at least probably put something in the well, whether it's a brown one or a green one. Um, so I, you know, I just obviously didn't say anything to the co. I just reached down, grabbed the spinning rod, lined it up on the active target, fired out and, you know, I'm bringing it up reeling it in all of a sudden and I reel into it got five pound test and uh catch like a four and a half I'm like that was the great call what an amazing call so pull off that a little bit cut my line retie with the five pound pull back up over it line up with the active target fire back out I'm not kidding next cast same situation set the hook and it just I mean, I, I go, dude, I've got a flipping giant. I've got a giant. I, I'm chasing it on the trolling motor, five pounds test, just like freaking out. And it comes up. It's one of those ones where it can't get out of the water and does the wobble. Back in and I'm like, oh, shit, dude. We get over there and I get that thing and I'm freaking out because I've got four fish already. And that one's, I, you know, I knew it was at least six. And it's a big one. I mean, Havasu, it's a giant, you know. And uh, then I went on to to get another, you know, solid fish. And then, again, I kind of just, put, you know, shut it down and tried to go, you know, find find some new water and find some fish for, uh, for my co. And, you know, that night, get in, weigh 23 pounds. I'm like, oh, my God. I actually thought I had a little bit more than that even. But, you know, I'm not going to. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just flying right now. I'm going into the final day. I'm leading the pack. Seven pounds, I think, right? You're it was, leading it was like just shy of seven pounds. Oh, my gosh. And, and it, you and it you was were walking down the, 
you're going uh, down the boat ramp with a trench coat and everything. Like you're, you're, you're big man, big man on campus on day three. No, I mean, I'm, I'm flying. Uh, but I, you know, I'm also humble as I know the dudes that are in that thing. I know who's out there. Those guys know every little nook and cranny. Those, those, those man-made, uh, structures out there you know they've got some giant largemouth slash grouper in them and those guys know where those big grouper live and i you know i'm still learning um so i just you know i was going to try and keep that pedal down to the floor as, as hard as i could i i let out there one time two years ago at the az open and on that day three slid a little bit mike williams passed me and, and ended up beating me i finished second and williams was second in this one so I was like, okay, I got a little couple more car lengths on this dude, but I know he's got a fast car. So um, don't jack up in a corner somewhere. And uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. If you have any questions, or we can day three. I don't know what that mic sound is coming from. Yeah, I don't either. You guys hear that? I do. Every once in a while, I hear like a little That's scratchy. Weird. Mine? No, I don't think it's you. I don't know where it's coming from, to be quite honest, but it's all good. Um, so like, I mean, you got to feel pretty ecstatic. I mean, when did you know? I mean, day two, you probably had a feeling, like a subconscious in your head that's like, we got a pretty good shot at this thing. But I mean, knowing an angler that's level-headed, you're probably like, okay, we just need to do our job on day three. So there had to have been a point, though, in day three where you're like, I think we got this in the bag. Or did you just kind of hold your breath till the scales? I felt really good in the morning, you know, as corny as this is going to sound, you know, you just hear a certain song and it just feels right. You know, the, the national anthem that morning, just everything felt so good. Like, you know, chicken skin moments and, you know, like, this is it, this is the day let's go, you know? And, um, I hit my first couple spots and first cast I get bit and, and it doesn't stick and I'm thinking, okay, it's on, they're eating, we're good. Two hours later, I'm like going, okay you haven't had a bite. What are you going to do? And, uh, that's when I decided, you know what, go to plan B don't cause you know, not to, not to sound arrogant. I didn't have to catch a fish that day. I was still probably going to get fifth, but that's not what I was setting out to do on that day. You know, with a seven pound lead, you lose that one. You're not going to find yourself, you know, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Who knows when, uh, you know, ever again, I don't know. So you gotta, you gotta get it while you can get it. And so I said, okay, we're going plan B. And I picked up, picked up the spinning rod, shifted gears, went to, you know, polar opposite spots and, uh, third cast catch about a three and a half pound smallie. And, and I'm, I'm excited, you know, and three minutes later, my co's like net. And I look back and he's got like a four plus. I'm like, big old smallie. He brings it up and he's got four with it. Right. So I'm, I'm stoked because I know, I know it's all happening right now. I net that, put it in the boat grab my, my rod, fire right back there on those fish. And I'm just about to start reeling. And he's like, hey, I need water in the well. So I set my rod down, go walking back there to hit the button. Something tells me, look back. I look back and my, my pole on the on the side of the boat's going, Burp. and wow. I'm like, oh, God. I run over there, start to reel into it. And it's a big one. I knew it was going to be a big one. Starts to come up. It's, it's you know, four plus, right about this far from the surface. It does one of those, like, sideways 80 mile an hour turns to the right bait falls out. It always happens like that. Always the ML. Yeah, I didn't tell you guys this, but on that day, the MLF photographer boat was following me and two other, you know, random, random boats, guys I knew, uh, you know, that were anglers in the tournament, but they were just, just following me. So 
you know, a little pressure there. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. But regroup pretty quick. Uh, my co got another one there, I think. And I got another one there. We left. Actually, yeah, I, I, I know we at least caught three fish there. We left. Ran a bunch of stuff, ran a bunch of stuff. And it was, it was slow pickings for quite a while. And um, finally, you know, about noon, it seemed like a little light switch went off. And, and I started catching them. And I was getting a little bit of a mixture with some largemouth, too. And, you know, finally, the weight that I had, I, I had it with, you know, probably an hour or so to go. And, you know, I, you know, I, I had just under 16 pounds, which I, I didn't weigh any fish on the boat that day. And so I was, you know, kind of small eyed. I'm going, okay, I've at least got 13 uh, maybe 14 and, you know, with a seven point lead, that means the other guy's got to catch at least, you know, 20, 20 plus to catch me, you know? Right. So I'm still trying to just keep the nerves at bay and what have you and roll up to this next spot. And I, I start to, you know, starts to load, but nothing, you know, extreme. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm not reacting, not doing anything. And I'm thinking it's, it's starting to hang up. And all of a sudden it goes, whoop, whoop, and I'm like real into it. Another giant smallmouth, probably four and a half. And I'm like, it, it comes up. It does a full cartwheel. We see it. It's fat. It's giant, black. And I'm like, that's the one. That's it. I get this thing in the boat. It's game over. And it goes back down. It's digging. I'm starting to get over to it, you know, chasing it with the trolling motor. And comes flying up, does the same thing again before it gets to the surface, does a quick turn. Bait falls out. Oh, my word. And I'm like, I didn't say a word on that one. The last one I yelled at the coyotes. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm a religious dude. I just said, well, you know, it's already predetermined. Anyway, I'm a long ride. And if, you know, I truly believe and we all know anybody that fishes tournaments when it's your day, it's your day. And when it's not, it's not. And you know, I, what was done was done. I, I got to go weigh fish. So that's where it was. And we took those fish in and the challenge was they got 25 co-anglers to go first and then 24, pros before they're going to weigh my fish and i just wanted to put those darn things on the scale right away to get it over did i win or did i get second you know and uh when it went down i finally got up there put the fish you know before i actually got him on the scale he's like he needs 12 pounds blah 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 and i'm like i knew you know at least i had that and uh so it was it was a super super fun tournament um on the back end of it all, for me, it was probably the coolest thing. Just, you know, all the messages and, and you know, individuals that actually came up, people you looked up to and, and just the kind words that they said. And, and this, you know, this might sound a little strange to me, but I've, I've watched it on the sidelines. Unfortunately, when individuals pass, um, they haven't had the opportunity to have a, a major event like this to feel, you know, the outreach and the love that I actually did through this event through social media and you only see that when someone passes and it's, it's a bummer, you know, and I've actually thought about it like, wow, what a bummer. I wonder if that dude knew how many people actually cared about him, you know, and I felt that in this thing. So it was, it was pretty cool. Heck yeah. It's, it's those moments that you need to, as hard as it is, it's the moments that you need to slow time as, as yeah. much as you can to like, because I mean, the winds don't come very often. So those are the ones you need to really cherish. I mean, we learn the most from the losses, but I think the the wins are, I mean, it's obviously common sense, but like those are the ones you cherish the most, but as soon yeah. as they come, the faster they go. So it's, it's hard to, cause like in your mind, you're, everything's moving a hundred miles an hour. Like, cause your heart rate's going insane. You're like, what the heck just happened? Did we actually do it? 
then you yeah. realize you do it and then it's like you black out for a second and you're like oh crap i gotta the drive home is easy <laughs> yeah yeah no i it was uh you know I, and i try and do that just anyway you know win or lose it's like you know we are you know so fortunate to be able to go out there and, and do that and and be able to you know fish see how beautiful you know you know i don't want to get too crazy but you know there's people that can't see they they can't hear and it's like you know we're, i'm out there healthy having fun and i just I, I love it man i just soak it up heck yeah that's awesome well dude yeah. i want to dive into this uh we're not going to have you for too much longer uh and it's easily the thing i'm most curious about on the show tonight is we, we talked about it a little bit earlier with your, your surfing career prior to uh, going down the fishing route, but you mentioned how those two can go hand in hand, especially when we talk about uh, the mental state, decision-making, that sort of deal. Uh, dive into that for us. So, yeah, you know, the, you know, just to kind of summarize, I mean, the mental, the mental game is huge, probably the most important thing in, in fishing and, and not just fishing, but I think life as a whole, you know, it's all how you look at things. It's the lens that you look through to see, you know, one, we talked about a little bit already, you know, you can hear the negative Nancy's at the ramp in the morning, you know, complaining about this, that, what, get away from them first and foremost, but, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's all how you look at things. And so, you know, I've, I grew up, you know, surfing. And when I used to go to some of these contests around the world, you'd show up at a venue. Um, it was going to be those same conditions all day. And you would see, you know, I'll call him Johnny. Johnny is absolutely light years ahead. Everybody else, on this particular day, his his equipment, his board, everything is just perfect, and his, his approach to those waves is perfect. And you're thinking to yourself, "There's we're surfing for second. Johnny's got this thing in the in the bag." And you know, with that said, as soon as he checked in, got his jersey, put it on, he's getting ready to paddle out for his first 20 minute heat, and he's got you know three other guys in that heat. Um, you know, beach announcer says, "All right, up and riding. Here we go, Johnny in yellow." Johnny gets to his feet. Everything looks good. Comes off the bottom, big turn off the top, and just straight nosedive goes over, goes down. You're like, ah, he'll regroup. Next, next one's even worse. Johnny goes to bottom turn, spins out. And my point is, people, you know, when it, when they're out there in practice and there's no pressure, they have fun. They catch fish. They're they're probably approaching it the way they need to approach it. As soon as the the actual tournament starts they see the whole parking lot's full now it's not just the 20 that was launching from from where they were um you got the national anthem you got another guy now in your boat you may or may not know and you know here we go tournament director calls your boat number calls your name immediately do i go deep do i go shallow and it's like all of a sudden they start hearing all these things that they had a plan last night when they were laying down in bed i'm going to this i'm going to that i'm going to do this and it's just the voices get loud and you know one thing that someone taught me in the surf surf world, you know, right away was like, you know, control the controllables because there is so many uncontrollables, you know, with the weather and the different things. Um, so knock that out first and foremost. But, you know, the other thing is, is just you have to just keep your mind quiet, keep it focused um, and also be willing to, to adjust, you know, if you have to. You know, fortunately for me, I made the right decision on that third day. Some guys would have just said, no, those fish will eat and, and rode it till the wheels fall off, you know, and sometimes it pays off to do that too, because it will turn on. It's just those, those pivotal moments. But the, the main thing and the point that I want to make is that, you know, it's won or lost between the years. I actually read a book, you know, when I was surfing professionally, uh, psychology of winning. Um, and I think there was a lot of good stuff in there that just kind of set me up to, 
to just try and quiet your mind during those real key times where you have to stay focused. And, and you see it in the, in the major sports with, with key athletes all the time. There's that same guy, there's, you know, three seconds on the clock. He wants the ball in his hand. And those are the ones that have that mentality. And, and that's, that's what I strive to try and have. Um, there's going to be highs and lows and you got to ride the highs while you can and, and get up out of those lows as soon as you can. And, um, you know, just try and try and keep that mind straight. I feel yeah. like that is such a hard thing to do when you talk about the voices that hit your like hit that start talking to you, especially when you're about to launch. I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced it. I mean, you guys a little bit more than me being that I'm in the kayak. So I get a lot of time to uh, think about things when I go to my spot where you guys are going 70 <laughs> miles an hour. Uh, it's a little I, bit easier. That could be a bad though, thing though, because uh, as you're paddling or using the motor, if you can use it in a kayak tournament, like you got to be thinking the same thoughts. Like, where do I start? Because you have way more time to think about it as you're paddling to your spot. It's where like us and bass boats, we're, we're holding on for dear life sometimes if we're boat 50 in a hundred boat tournaments. So just letting it rip. <laughs> so we don't really have much time to because we're driving. Honestly, I don't really, in my I opinion. Mean, Deacon, can you relate to that? Like tournament morning you're waiting to blast off and you hear. Oh yeah. I mean, no, dude, I just got like chills when Todd said that. I, lo I love that stuff. And the psychology side of, of winning and, and like, I mean, day one, right? Like I dropped the ball. I had one, two pounder and, and like totally what Todd's saying. I mean, like, dude, I was fishing way too fast. Uh, my co-angler caught three big ones and I was like, my gosh, like, you know, it just was, it was falling apart. And, and like, day two, I regrouped and, and, um, and honestly lost some good ones on day three, but like, it, it's just, uh, that's what I love about it. And you're, you're dead on in what Todd, what you're saying, as far as it's all between the ears, um, when it comes down to it, you know, you get to a certain level and everyone is good at fishing. Yeah. Everyone can cast, yeah. you know, it all comes to the decision-making and, and the stuff between your ears. And so it's cool to hear that exactly. Cause I mean, I, I lived it on the other side, right? Like I didn't catch them day one. And so it was cool to, uh, to think through that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And yeah, I just, you know, and it doesn't always work out, but I think, um, you know, you, you know, you, you learn at a young age, you know, if you, if you, you know, it's what, what you try, what I try and teach my son, you know, if you, if you give it a hundred percent, you know, from the practice all the way through and you don't get the outcome that you wanted, at least you can look back and say you gave it your hundred percent. And, you know, that's kind of what goes back to what I was talking about that windy day and, and those types of things. And, and, um, and again, just, you know, if you've got a solid game plan, which, doesn't always work out, you know, but you need to have a game plan and you need to also be willing to adjust. And it's when we, when we adjust and we make those key decisions and the stars align, it's, you know, it goes back to when I said, when, it, when it's your day, it's your day. And when it's not, it's not, but you have to kind of keep that even keel mindset all the way through. And, um, you know, you're as good as the people you surround yourself with. And if, if they're constantly the ones that are telling you all the stories and, you know, they're constantly on 20 pounds in practice, but they come in with six every day in the tournament might want to regroup and, and, uh, you know, maybe either, you know, camp on your own or whatever. But, you know, if, if you got people that are getting chirping in your ear with some of that stuff, it's not going to help, you know, hundred yeah. percent, man. It's good. That's juice, man. That's all. That's, that's really what this is in my opinion, all about is the, the mental side. And it's cool to hear that mm -hmm. yourself. I mean, you nailed that. I mean, it's, I think there's a lot of people that need to look at that aspect of as if you're going to do tournament fishing, whether you want to do it professionally or you like to do it as a, a good chunk of 
you know, whether it's a passion or a hobby, however it may be. That's a part I think people kind of overlook is like the crew. Do you ride with the crew? Do you do it solo? Do you do you camp? Do you stay in a hotel? Do you Airbnb, etc.? Those can really affect how you perform in a tournament, especially from the most important part that we're getting to the mental state where it's like the past couple of years, I've done the Airbnb stuff with some people. And honestly, I think it's really, when I look back at it, the bigger the group I stay with, the worse finishes I have when I'm by myself, that is when I do my best. Yeah. It's because I don't have another voice. that's giving me something else to think about. It's just my thoughts. So yeah. I actually, I actually stayed at my buddy, Robert Fayborg's house, but he had a guest house behind his and that's, that's where I stay. So, you know, once we're done eating or whatever, and I go shut it down, I'm, I'm solo, you know, which, which was fortunate for me, but, um, you know, some, in a, in a, to each his own, you know, some, some guys look at it and it is a vacation for them. It's an opportunity to get away from their day job, their family, whatever, and just enjoy themselves. And, you know, it depends on what you want out of it, you know, and if you're looking for just a good time and, you know, want to have some beers and catch some fish and possibly cash a check, Hey, you know, more power to you, you know, it's whatever you want, you know, and I'm just sharing my my approach and because i want to win you know and i'm going to try and do everything i can to set myself up for that um and you know along the way though we talked about it i'm gonna i'm gonna soak it up i'm gonna enjoy it i'm gonna relish the times that i have with my friends um but i'm also gonna know when hey you know what those guys want to go a little bit further and have some whiskey tonight or whatever (laughs) we'll see you in the morning boys (laughs) hell yeah sleep well yeah Yeah. (laughs) Sleep well. you'll, you'll hear my mercury fire up on the way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's your alarm clock. Yeah. Um, well, Todd, for real, once, uh, really appreciate you joining the show tonight. Uh, congrats again on the win. And we, we'll be rooting for you to get that second dub on Havasu here in a couple weeks. And uh, like every new guest, we always have a question here at the end that we like to hit you with before we let you go. Uh, but really fast, I have one quick question before the last one here from Chris. Yeah, I'm Clay. still married. <laughs> All right, yeah, you're going to make a great guest on this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it, really fast, from Chris Flay, he said, uh, Todd, what is a bigger rush, a surf win or a tournament fishing win? Oh, wow, I like that question. It, you know, and that it, it's, it's the same. You want at that time, that was my life. Uh, and I wanted to beat the best. And when you were on that podium, you beat the best on that day. And, um, I still get that same feeling, uh, you know, in the fishing world that the, the thing was for me and in the back of my mind, I've never told anyone this, you know, you brought it up at the beginning. I, I won four events. At I won four, you know, large surf competitions and I was hoping okay, did I hit that, that roof now? Am I back at four and I'm stuck? So to finally get this one now, I've got five of those trophies. So I'm on the other side now, and it's, I don't feel like I've got a roof over me. You made it. I made blow, it. Blow right through that loof, loof, roof. Loof. The got, loof. Got the monkey off my back. That's right. Heck yeah. Well, dude, last question of the night, and we're going to let you go here. Um, and that is, if you could sit down and have a steak, and a beer with three different individuals. Uh, they do not have to be the fishing industry. Uh, they don't have to be currently alive. They could be a thousand years ago. It doesn't matter. You can choose anybody. What three individuals would you invite to sit down, pick their brain, have a steak and a beer? First would be Jesus. That's a fact. Um, and then, <laughs> then the fact. others would be, you know, probably uh, just, just some of the major, you know, best athletes, you know, um, 
you know, Kobe Bryant and, you know, maybe one other dude and just sit down and kind of pick their brain. And, and, you know, because again, even though it's a different, different field, um, it's all between the ears. And if you could pick some, some key stuff up from them that maybe you could apply to, to your life and to your sport, that's what, that's who I'd have dinner with. And obviously Jesus would have all the answers. So I'd be good there. Heck yeah. Love it. <laughs> if all the answers, <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. Todd, for real, thank you so much for taking the time out. We definitely appreciate it, and uh, we'll be having you back on here real soon. Okay, thank you. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make sure and hear what Deacon caught his 22 pounds on on day two. That's oh, right. Boy. Getting the juice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thanks thanks for the opportunity, and uh, we'll we'll chat soon. You guys have a good night. Have a good night. Heck yeah. Good luck in a couple of weeks, Todd. Thank you very much. Take care. Right. See, See ya. That was a good show, boys. That was fun. Fun. Yeah. Heck yeah. He fits right in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely one of the crew that you can tell uh, he's one of the guys poking fun at somebody at the boat ramp on oh, yeah. morning. Without a he's doubt. He's awesome. Heck, okay. yeah. Well, dude, Deke, let's start diving into your dirt, man. You, you touched on it briefly. Uh, I don't want to bring it up right at, at the beginning where it's like you only caught one fish on day one, which yeah, we, were, we were feeling for you. And we got the text with the receipt. And it's two pounds, like five ounces or whatever it was. Uh, and we're like, oh, man. Yes, man hate starting the year like that that's just like not a good feeling and then we get the text day two with it was like 22 pounds four outs we're like let's yeah. freak go. Like, I, I don't remember <laughs> the exact word but he's like mega bag boys said, <laughs> like, yeah something. i was like boys i got a bag yeah that's <laughs> like, i'm like i don't know how actually i didn't know at that point how big it was because I, I think it. what was funnier was your uh, I think it's your Instagram story on day one where it was like the picture of it. And you're like, not what you want. And then the picture on day two is the exact same picture, but with the new ticket. And you're like, this is what you want. <laughs> so many people commented that. Like even people like my, like my girlfriend, you know, like, I mean, she understands fishing based on watching what we all do and, yeah. and, and tournament fishing stuff. But she was just like, it was so genuine because you were like, it wasn't like, Oh, this is me just doing good on my good day. It was like, this is like, how it sucks and like this is how it's good like it was just very like cut and dry like 22 pounds two pounds it's that uh it's that meme where it's sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit. Maybe, literally, <laughs> quite literally. That's shit day one great day two good job man that was awesome yeah. <laughs> dude yeah you got me hyped on that day two i'm sitting there i'm like i was excited for harris chain and i was kind of, i was more kind of just like focused on getting ready getting the season going like go fun fish on the way down here it's yeah. kind of going through the motions and then you you drop that bag like to come back on day two and i'm sitting there like and i'm jamming in the truck like i'm just hyped <laughs> after that and i'm like all right let's go bring on the harris chain yep you had me going after that but real quick deacon sweet. yeah on day two how many places did you jump from oh, two gosh. pounds to 24 pounds all of them all Dude. of them <laughs> all yeah, of I, I, climbing the ladder in a hurry <laughs> all, all the way so Gosh, you know, again, man, it was tough, right? Like it was not easy. So like there was some zeros. Um, and then I want to say like, gosh, had to have been somewhere in the eighties, eighties to 14th. So 70 places, something like that. My guess. Damn, It's a good jump. Just laid it out in there for them. Like take that boys. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool. I mean, like, you know, like there's, I love tournament fishing for, for stuff like that. I mean, from the first one I caught, which was like a four, six or four, seven, like I literally told my coing, it was awesome too. the experience, uh, with Adrian, my coing, there was an absolute blast that day. And, um, it was, it was like that first fish, 
was like, well, I need, I, I told him, I was like, dude, I need 22 pounds, like to have a chance to fish the next day. I, I need like a bag. And, uh, after that first one, I was like, well, that's one of them. Like I only need four. Like I'm not going to call that one. So it should be all right. Uh, <laughs> I only got four more to go. And then I caught another one, you know, and like the shakes of like putting him in the live well. And then when I caught the big one, it was like shakes and then weighing the fish. I mean, like my hands were shaking, like, like I went and shook Todd Klein's and, uh, bird's hand next to him. Like, and I was just like, you know, like, wow, look at that. I'm like, dude, this fires me up. Like, I don't like, I could catch a six or seven pounder fun fishing and it doesn't give me half the rush that I get. Not even to, oh, to like, that tournament feeling is just, it doesn't matter what it is too. It could be a Tuesday nighter. Like I just, I love that feeling. The, the, the competitive aspect of it just adds an, an extreme thrill factor to it. It does. Man. I agree though. Like you could go and lose a giant fun fish and you're like, damn, that sucks. That's, yeah. But then you yeah. do it in a tournament when you yeah. know what that could mean, especially on Derby Day, and you're sitting uh, there like, I could cry right eats now. eats at you, man. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, I yeah. have tears. <laughs> to be honest, that's probably the hardest part of a tournament, too, is like losing that big fish and rebounding from it instantly. Because a lot of people, as we're talking on the mental side, a lot of people will sit and carry that lost fish through the entire day. Short memory. And you have to flip it and be like, okay, I got one big bite. There's, I'm going to get another one. It's just when. Well, like I figured something out, right? Yeah. Like, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. I just got a big bite, you know? So, and, and it happened. I mean, right. Like Todd fought through that on his final day of losing big fish. I mean, you talked mm -hmm. about that. So, yeah. Well, dude. Uh, so we have a question from Chris Flay asking how bad, I mean, I'm sure it's common Real sense, but how bad did you want to do over <laughs> on day one? <laughs> Real bad, man. I mean, that just, that sucks, right? Like when that stuff happens, but I was, I was kind of doing stuff that I was not as comfortable with how I caught some fish in practice, but not super comfortable. And my, my co-angler was catching them and phenomenal guy, great angler. And, you know, that's just how it can go. If anyone's fished a boater co-angler event, like there can be times when a co-angler is just straight catching them with an angle or casting. And, and like, I mean, dude, we was cool. As we talked after and he's like, man, you're fishing too fast. Like, it's true. Like I, I was going through throwing a small swim bait around and like, I was missing fish that he was catching. I mean, almost pendulum and a swim bait off the back of the boat. I mean, some of these fish were coming out of 20 feet of water, 25 feet of water, and, uh, it was, uh, that's just, that's just how it goes. And you learn and try to adjust from that, but really what made the big adjustment, so many people are asking like, well, what, what did you adjust? What did you do? I mean, yeah. so back to Todd's point, I think you got to figure out who you want to kind of run with in, in tournaments. And I think there's kind of two approaches. I think for me, what works is like either doing stuff alone like you're saying camping, like I enjoy that aspect. And that almost happened in this situation. But then two guys from Colorado, Nate and Ty, who are, they won a boat in the ABAs this last year. Ty's fishing all nine opens. He's fishing the Western Toyotas as well. Nate, we're trying to convince to fish the other Western Toyotas. Phenomenal guys like, and phenomenal anglers, like best in Colorado problems when you, when you see them on the, on the, uh, the tournament list, seriously. And, uh, they're good buddies of mine and we stayed together and, uh, we're sitting at this place that got an awesome, awesome folks and same kind of deal a house to stay at, at Havasu. That is, that is great. And we're sitting in the hot tub that night. Like oh, right you're balling. Yeah. Horrible. It was great to have a hot, like dude, that's wild. Right? Like and these guys 
caught them like decent, right? They're both in the thick of it. They both had 12 pounds or something like that. Like, and it was tough again. Uh, if you have, if you did 12 pounds a day, this entire thing, I don't know where you ended up, but you would have liked where you end up for sure. Um, to catch that every single day. But so we're sitting there and my buddy Ty's like, well, uh, you need a bag and you, whatever you're going to do, you need to commit to it. And, uh, like, where do you feel like you can go catch 20 something pounds? And I'm like, well, I know the areas, like I've been looking at them on, on, on live scope. Like I know they're bass. I caught them in practice and sure enough, man, like I went back to those fish. I picked up stuff. I had more confidence in still had the swim bait on the deck for sure. But like, I think a great way to get a big bite is an a rig. Like it's a, it's an awesome bait when it's legal. A trap is a fantastic bait to catch a big green one on. And like that, that kind of stuff. Like I had found these fish, a couple of groups of largemouth in kind of low spots near grass or where grass traditionally grows. And there was some grass in those spots. And I, in practice stopped on that super windy day that Todd was talking about, like, I'm looking at them and I'm like, dude, I know these are bass. Like Havasu's got big shad in it. It's got carp in it, right? It's got a bunch of species. It's got like those giant bluegill things, but like pretty much after you're staring at live scope all day, you kind of get dialed in on what a bass looks like eventually when you start to catch one. And just from experience of looking at live scope, right? Like, okay, these fish are low along the grass, like right size, like those are bass. And I sat for 45 minutes and threw baits at this group of fish and I could not get them to buy it. And I picked up a jerk bait and I caught one and I was like, okay, those are bass. That's an entire school of bass. That same day throwing at fish, I was yo-yoing a trap and it was one of the only things I could get them to react at. Like I'd throw a swim bait at them. I'd do all this stuff. Everyone's smell would follow it back. I mean, dude, like the fish there, like are just zombies following swim baits. Like it's wild. You'll just all the way back to the boat, like five of them. Right. And it's just, you can't get one to eat. And, and so the second day I went to those fish and was like, I'm making these suckers freaking bite. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make them bite. Like I know they're bass. I, I started scrambling day two and it was like, or day one and it wasn't happening, but day two, man, like those three baits, a swim bait and a rig, and a, and a trap and the a rig like man that's a big fish bait for me like it's just a way as you guys know like you can get a real one a right one and i was on largemouth like bigger largemouth and then my smallmouth bite in practice were random like it was just it wasn't working for me i wasn't on a good smallmouth bite like but when i'd catch one it'd be over four pounds right and so i where i caught the big one i roll into this area and i catch one coming around mm -hmm the point and i was like okay that was my third fish and i saw like a group right on live scope again these are bass i caught one here in practice these are the same fish they're not moving it was cool like it was a really cool experience i power pulled down on those fish and i sat there and casted and casted and casted and casted and i'm you know like 40 minutes in throwing at these fish pick up an a rig throw it across them pick up a swim bait throw it across them pick up a jerk bait, throw it across them. Right. Like, and I did catch some fish on a jerk bait too, but that was on the final day. But anyways, so I can't get them to react to anything. And I'm like, in practice, I had some fish follow a trap anyway. None of them ate it, but like 
good reaction bait, especially when you're looking at them. So I picked up the trap in a little grass patch, like, I don't know, 12 to 15 feet of water, maybe a little bit shallower, but this group I'd watch them. Like they'd like go out a little deeper and then work their way back up. And I'm like, they're freaking big ones. Like some of them, I can see their tails on live scope. Like these are real ones. And I picked up the trap and I started yo-yoing it and like three of them are following it. And I'm like, Oh my, here we go. Like, oh my. Like, <laughs> this is the first cast with it. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. And then finally like rip it up again. And what, and like, dude, it was a freaking jig bite. Like it was like, like just boom, like on slack line. And I think I have it on video too. So I'm excited to, to see it, but like leaned into him and was like, Oh, this is a real one. And uh Coangler nets it. And I'm like, man, dude, that's like a, that's a, that's over five. Like, that's a good one. He's like, dude, that's a giant. Like that's a way over five. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. He's like, shut up, dude. It's bigger. <laughs> nah, like, and that was he called your bluff. Li- literally. Like I, I'm, I'm always trying to go under on fish, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that, that was the fourth one. And then I caught another good one out of that group. Same deal sitting there forever just trying to try changing angles, like doing every, I mean, if they're going to sit there, right. Like you, it's the stories like you hear about, I don't know. I listened to a podcast the other day on, on Bertrand's anglers happy hour talking to Alton Jones jr. Like making mm-hmm. 15 casts to the same stump at a fish he saw on, on live scope, like just making that over and over and over until they go. But day three, those same fish did not bite. Like I, and I tried and tried and tried and lost one. Like, and then they completely shut off. So it's just a, I don't know. It was a cool way to fish for me. Like I haven't sat ever and made cast for 45 minutes, to the same group of fish and then got one to bite. So that was a, uh, that was a cool deal for me. It was like fishing. It's like fishing spawners essentially then, but literally dude, that was my mindset. Like I can see you like that. I, that's why I love spawn fishing. Right. Is because it's like, the game late night we're talking about this in the hot tub like it makes the decision making out of it like you just go to the big one and then the next one and then the next one and if you can't want one to go then you go to this one like it's there's no decision making in a spawn tournament because hopefully you have enough found where you can yeah. just go categorically like this one this one this one this one yeah but it was it was cool man it's cool experience and then day three uh i wish i had honestly to Chris's point, I wish I had day one back, but I really wish I would have landed some of the fish day three. I don't think I had the mega bag that I would have had day two, but I th- think I should have had 15 to 17. Like I lost four fish. I think that it was slick and sunny. I don't think they were eating the swim bait as good as when it was cloudy day two. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped the largemouth bite for sure, in my opinion, on day two. But um, I lost some fish. Like, and I was, I executed perfectly on day two and, and to, with what Todd was saying, like it was, it was tough out there to where it was like, I mean, you're only getting five to eight bites a day. If you were getting more than that, like you were really on them. Like it was not, it was not easy. So like you had to bat a hundred if you, if you could, yeah. you know, and I, and I did day two, like it was super focused, executed, everything like that. Do you think it, so you do think it was just the conditions for the reason for you losing fish on day three, or do you think it was anything else? I do think it was something else too, man. Um, so here's, here's something important. Um, especially with big fish, uh, a rig guys, like your thin, especially thin wire versus thick wire, a rigs. Mm -hmm. I should have immediately changed out that a rig after. Don't tell me you uh, broke a wire. Oh yeah. First fish of the day broke a wire. That was a good one. 
Dude, that hurts the soul. That hurts the soul real bad. Like, so that's a great lesson. Like, do do that. Like, <laughs> so that was the first lost fish. And then, so after that, I had another rod rigged up, right? I pulled that one out. It was a heavier rod than the other rod I was throwing the A-rig on. Mm-hmm. And I think the conditions, the fish weren't biting as well. And I think with that heavier rod, again, just totally a me thing, totally could have been fine. Like, <laughs> but I was pulling it, I think, out of those fish's mouths. Like I had a four pounder on the same point where I had caught one the day before it was just cool. I had one come out and just smoke it, like cracked him and was like, sweet, came off. Well, this fish is fired up. I spin live scope over to where he's at. I'm reeling, reeling. Dude comes again, unglued on it, like smokes it again. And again, this is uh, on habits. You can only use two hooks on an A-Rig. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely dummies and that kind of stuff that can be involved, but smoked it again, uh, have him for a second this time. And I see him. It's like a four pound green one like shaking his head. I mean, he bit it right at the boat the second time and I lost that one. And like, it was like, gosh, dang it. Like two, like, and then I had just a couple of short strikes where like, it would be like, I don't know the day before every single one connected. So hmm. that, and then the same with the swim bait. I lost one on the swim bait and I kind of scrambled last minute and caught some fish on a jerk bait. Um, that kind of started to seem to happen in the sun a little bit, but I think those fish were really pressured. I wish I had more to go to on day three. Like there was other guys in those areas um, including myself, but like, I think, uh, I wish I would have had more and I wish I would have found some small mouths to just like go back to kind of the way Todd did. Yeah. Now, was it a five wire array? Like what was it? And like, where did you put, if you had two hooks, where'd you put your two hooks? Yeah, man, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some couple of, of juice things out there for, for that. So what was interesting too, another thought that I had was like, on the California side, you could throw three hooks. On the Arizona side, you could throw two. So in hindsight, it would have been cool to have one of each if that was what was happening. Again, like I think you can catch those same fish on a single swimmer. I mean, like Todd was talking about, I really do. I have more confidence in an A-rig than, yeah. than a single swimmer and crawling. Like those guys, dude, with that are just so like, I mean, crawling the single swimmers. And for whatever reason, I can do that easier with it with an A-rig and I feel like if they're in the right mood and they have to be in the right mood and it's harder when it's slick, like mm-hmm. it can draw that five pounder to bite instead of maybe just catching the smaller ones, but each his own. But like, uh, there's a great rig out there for that stuff. It's called the G funk. Mm. Um, it's a Western Western rig and they make one called the desert rig to where you can have two hooks on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's so it has two that hang lower and longer back and then three dummies above it. So, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things you can kind of do to, to make it a two wire hook or two wire, a rig for your hooks. But that's, uh, yeah, I'm excited to like go through the the footage, man. I know I'm going to need, uh, like some, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with all this footage. Just talking to Bailey. Like I'm not, you guys have awesome YouTube channels and it's just so much. I do not enjoy the editing and that kind of stuff, but like I got <laughs> some good GoPro footage and I can't wait to like put it together. Maybe even if it's a reel or something of the, those catches. Cause I think I have most of them on that good bag day. Yeah. I mean, the editing sucks. I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. It definitely sucks, but there's something cool about putting something together. It's like you're writing your own short story, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little biased because I always thought growing up, I was going to be a writer until I realized okay. I hate the actual act of writing. I find it exhausting, but I like the thought of writing. I don't know if that makes sense, but 
Um, dude, I mean, I think there's people out there that would might be interested in editing for you. I don't know. No, I've considered that too. If anyone's interested on uh, on some of that stuff, let me know. Because, Calling uh, all college interns. That too. That would be great. Someone who's like interested in in making a name for themselves and and that kind of a thing. I'd be happy to still up obviously compensate you. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Honestly, like if if you're listening to this, say you're in high school or college and you're interested in getting into the fishing industry, the hardest part about getting into the fishing industry is the first job, the first connect. It's, it's like you hear about it. It's cliche of like certain industries about being who, you know, well, it couldn't be more true for the fishing industry. Uh, shoot us an email or get in touch with social, even if it's not like with us. Uh, if, if it's a way we can assist you to get in the industry, reach out to us, especially if you're interested in editing or social or anything like that. Um, you know, reach out. We might be able to work something out, but, uh, I think Deacon, you should throw it to the viewers, especially for Prism from the Bass Boat. Like, should Deacon start his own channel? What should you know? <laughs> I, I kind of like think it. It'd be cool. Yeah. Man, sounds like a lot, a lot of work, but it does sound like fun. I, I mean, you could. It doesn't Who doesn't like more work? That's you right. could structure it like Justin Lucas or Polnick, where they only post when they have derbs. Right. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's all the time. Especially if you find somebody that can edit for you, you're just like, "Hey, here's the here's the memory card. Have fun, have fun." <laughs> I need to, dude, I need to also like, I need to like set my camera on loop, like, and do things that I I need to be better about, like, um. But anyways, yeah, dude, the the loop stuff is like, that is the deal, like the easiest way to do it, right? But I never do it because I am so simple minded that I will one thousand percent forget. <laughs> get caught up, something cool will happen. I'll be freaking out about it, talking to the camera for more than five minutes, pass the loop and lose the actual footage. Just me yep. talking nonsense. I know that's exact. So that's why I just run through it. And I painfully go through the entire oh. eight and a half hours of footage on a 265 gig SD card. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know something even more painful with SD card stuff? Uh, yeah. Hit me. Okay. So at uh, Coeur d'Alene this last year, it was barring a boat. Uh, because I blew the power head on my boat, which was not cool. Uh, luckily, uh, insurance covered it, everything like that. Everything was good. But anyways, was borrowing a boat, had a big like SD card waterproof case that I keep all my SD cards in for mm -hmm. like GoPros, map chips, as we know, like I've had, dude, I have hundreds of dollars. Oh, probably, probably like a thousand bucks in map chips of hummingbird map chips. Right. I'm scared to see and, and 256 gig with GoPro footage on them kinds oh, of a things. And dude, no. it is gone. I cannot <laughs> find it. And the worst part is the guy who let us borrow his boat sold his boat. So like it's like gone, like gone, gone, man. Like, and I'm just like, oh, like I borrowed a map chip for this tournament this last weekend. Uh, and it was just like, oh, it hurts so bad. But <laughs> devastating. yeah, Ouch. bad deal. Honestly. I think I'd be more upset. I mean, this is just personally because I'm biased as a content creator. I'd be more sad about the lost footage than the map chip. Yeah. The map chip you can get back. Like you can buy another one. That's true. Like the, the that's footage, true, but... It's like, it's gone. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I was so depressed, dude, when I like sometimes, I mean, filming is sometimes a pain in regards to like, you're relying on technology and technology, especially when weather's bad just acts fool right like when i won the ike charity tournament i was super excited because the footage was just straight eight hours of 
catching frogfish over and over and oh, over again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is going to be such a sick video because I took the GoPro in like through Ike's place, like through the for the podcast I did with them. And I'm like, this is going to be a sick video for the YouTube channel. I go yeah. and I plug it in the computer at the hotel that night and it says file corrupt. And I about cried. I was like, this is going to be just shaping up to be awesome. But I mean, even like going back, even if you don't have the YouTube channel, right? There's something to be said for being able to use it as a study tool. Oh, dude, huge, huge. And just to watch like where you're positioned when a fish bites. Like I'm really curious to see that day too, when I was missing fish, like what was I doing differently? Obviously it's a different rod for part. And by the way, like right after that happened, I cut it off, changed back to my rod that I was using it on. And uh, I lost another one on that. Like, I, I think there's so much there. It was just a, you know, indeed everyone loses fish. It's just part of it. I was just a hundred percent on day two and was not that case mm-hmm. on day three. But like, dude, I think that's huge. And I think too, just so much about the content side. Like, again, I think one thing to think about too, is it's cool because you're documenting all this. So if you have kids one day, like you get to show them this stuff, or even if it's not for like, you're getting to document your journey through everything. Right. So it's kind of a, a cool deal. Your dad dropped a bag on him. Go watch this. <laughs> Boom. So you set the hook, son. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was kind of cool with uh, like Roy Hawk and uh, Dean Ross down there. Right. Like both locals to have us. We both, absolute hammers but both their kids were fishing that or, or at least dean's dean's was fishing the college tournament won the college tournament and then uh, i think sunny hawk uh was fishing our tournament finishing the top 10 that's sick so it's cool to see like two generations of hammers like that stuff is those get like all those guys are gonna be a problem here in the next couple of years dude you know what would be a cool episode is getting on people like like those two kids, like the kids of, uh, you know, Sonny and Rojas's kid getting on like Alton Jones Jr. Romanis, Laker, Laker Howell. Howell. Like, dude, there's tons of them, right? Just, L- L- Cal Lane. Awesome, yeah. dude. Like there's, there's, yeah. That would be sick. And kind of like just seeing the upbringing, like where did it start? Because obviously, you know, because there's two sides of it, right? There's a, a serious advantage, especially if they want to take the same path as their parent did from a professional fishing standpoint. There's a severe advantage of one, you have connections, two, you have a foot in the industry already with your last name, two, you have, or, and you have an immense amount of knowledge that you'll be able to soak up your entire life. But there is a downfall where, like, I feel bad for uh, Jackson Rubanis, who actually stayed with the TOC. He made the TOC from the kayak side this year. Yeah. Really great kid. A freaking hammer. Like, the kid, I saw him, him and I ran into each other once in practice. And he just straight up embarrassed me for like five minutes. Like I couldn't catch a fish. The kid was catching up. Like I, I couldn't explain it. And he was throwing a frog. And I was like, that has your dad written all over it. Like, I wonder where you learned that from. Uh, and, but it's like the kid has, he, he's made it in his own way, which is super cool. Uh, it's like very, like he took, you can see that he's taken things from his dad, but then applied it to the way he wants to fish. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool to see that. But the problem, I would think the only downside to being born or something like that is you're overshadowed. Or- Dude, I, I, that's what like a hundred percent. Like I, I think you can't take anything away from those kids. Like you can say like they've got an advantage because of this, but like they still have to go and catch them. Like yeah. to me, like there's so there's, there's still like, I mean, that's like the same thing with being like, okay, well, like your dad was an Olympic athlete and then now you're an Olympic athlete or like a Christian McCaffrey, right? Like things like that. And it's like, 
I, I think that like, yes, that is what, but like, again, back to like you and I, Bailey, all the time have discussions on like, man, like dude, everything, people are always going to have advantages in this world. And that's great. And like, I'm, that's awesome for those kids. You know what I mean? Like I'm fired up. Like, that's really cool, but I'm not viewing it. Like they have some crazy advantage and it's, yeah. you know, better. Like, it's just like, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm glad for those guys. Like, that's a cool thing. No, I completely agree. I think the people that are sitting back, they're like, damn, of course he won. His dad's Fred. Right. And it's like, right. Dude, like if that's your mindset, you're never gonna win with that attitude. Fishing tournaments, like stop. Like if you if you look at that and you're like, I mean, Andy said it early in the episode. Like the guys that show up to the ramp and they're like, they're already negative. Like those are the people you already don't have to worry about. The people that are like who look at a Cal Lane and stuff like that, like, oh well, of course he's good because he's dead. Like those are the people you never have to worry about. If anything, it's cool because like what I really admire about it is. When you, I mean, us as podcast hosts and anglers, and us three being just generally curious people, like we study these guys, we study how they fish. We love, we've always talked about how we love when like Bassmaster Live when they're not catching fish because you see the wheels turning more. Hundred percent. Like it's cool to study how they're they have like I was talking earlier with Jackson. You could see a couple things that he's obviously taken from his dad, but then how he's his own angler, which is right. I think would be a cool show to do with a bunch of those guys of bring that out. Because you definitely know that, like we were saying, there's just some people that uh, I think it's not to it's not a, a a negative or disadvantage, but like even your dad's Randy Howell, who's won a classic and is his legend. Like it's hard to start making a name for yourself where they don't think of your dad first. It's it's not a bad thing. It's just more right. like a, it's more like just a behavioral act, really. It's what all it is. It's but it's it's a super interesting topic that I find uh, find fun to discuss. That's uh, really what I was getting at. Yeah, I like it, man. No, I think you're dead on. Like, I think that's uh, yeah, that would be a really cool show. It was cool to hear on uh, Bertrand's top podcast. I mean, just the way that uh, Alton Jones Jr. was talking about like growing up fishing around his dad and like traveling to tournaments and practicing. Like, he had he had no idea what like catching a fish was like because his entire childhood was shaking fish off in practice. Like he'd be like, yeah. Hey dad, like, <laughs> it, 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 and his dad, his dad, he's like, dude, my dad is someone who does not set the hook. Like he in practice, like he is someone who like very few times, is he going to actually set the hook on one? And, uh, and so he's just like, yeah, man, like I'd be like, dad, there's one like dad, there goes one. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Could you imagine like his first tournament? He like comes in with no fish and it's like, what happened? Well, I never know how to hook the, set the hook because you wouldn't let me. <laughs> right. That's man. amazing. Yes. I mean, like Andy, when, when Emmy becomes the first female to win the Bassmaster classic and everybody oh, forgets. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, doubt that'll happen, but I think, dude, I think that's a big thing too. Like, I mean, Andy's the parent here can really speak on this, but I think like a big part of that too is like not pressuring your kid into fishing, right? Like you're like, dude, choose it for yourself. Like, but I'm not going to be like, this is what we do as whatever our last name says, you know? That was actually a really cool conversation. And I would love to have, make the show happen where we get like Fred and Jackson on is uh, Fred actually came out uh, while during practice to mm-hmm. come see Jackson, whatever he got come cool. back from an event. And I, for whatever reason, I was editing that night doing work and i think i was just putting like the rods i rigged in the truck when he was pulling up at like one in the morning and we just sat there and talked for probably 30 minutes and that was one thing he said too is like i you could it's it's cool like to see somebody like when they're super proud of somebody else like you could see like one their glow about about him but like when he talked about he's like he's he's made his own path it's cool to see him taking this path kayak and 
doing something different, starting his own thing. That'd be a cool show to make happen. But uh, I feel like we could talk about this specific topic for hours and hours on end. But um, we do. So, so coming up on Sears Angler, we do not have a Thursday show or sorry, a Friday show scheduled just yet. There will be one. We don't have our guests uh, 100% lined up. But uh, coming up for next week on Business from the Bass Boat, which was a nice surprise guest for tonight, getting you on here, Deacon, which is yeah. from the Bass Boat for people who may not know, is a business show on the Serious Angler Network. So if you guys want to check it out, Deacon runs it. What's coming up on Monday morning? Yeah, guys. And first of all, first of all, very sorry. Dude, when we had a, a backup, supposed to have a show right before I took off for the tournament. That didn't happen. We're a couple weeks out on Business from the Bass Boat. But Derby's we have an awesome, awesome show lined up we've got uh the boys from do it molds coming on we are going to compare straight business side of things uh a list of premium baits when it comes to jig heads really uh cost wise to build that same bait and or make yours better so what we're literally comparing is the cost when it comes to if you are interested in pouring your own lead and that kind of stuff, making high quality baits of high use items, right? So like drop shot weights, dead heads, swim bait heads, those type of things. And we're just running a cost comparison on what it ends up costing you to run all that stuff versus uh, buying it yourself. So that will be Monday's show. That's going to be a sick show. Yeah. I think that's really going to open a lot of people's eyes to what it can, what it's a lot of upfront cost, the majority right. of it. But once you look at like a long term, especially as a tournament angler or like in Andy's case as a guide where you guide? Oh so my gosh. much tackle. Can't imagine. The amount of money you save is unreal. Well, and it's also and it's quality. Like, like that's yeah. the part that's the part that I think that I've always missed, right? Before kind of getting into it all is like you can make it better or the best on the market or as good as whatever your favorite jig head is. Yeah. yeah. And it could be just simply changing out hooks for how exactly you want to fish in for the rod you're fishing it on. Like, right. My favorite thing about pouring custom jig heads, right? Like for swim bait fishing is the fact that the longest I have to wait is 20 minutes for the pot to heat up and I can bust out 40 of them in like an hour or right. 50, 60 of them. Once you get a fluid motion going down, it's just, I can't really do it right now because it's been too cold. So, cause I do it outside. So you need like stable temperatures cause you need your cast to be hot when you pour the lead into it. So yeah, it's, but it's fun. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's, it's cool when you're like, cause when you go and you shop online and th- there's some decent options out there pending what kind of jig head it is. Um, but like you go to like, Oh, this is a tungsten jig head. I love the jig head, but the hooks trash. Or like this hook's great, but it doesn't have this part. This or the uh, hook keeper, or like yeah, like it's not the right yeah. angle that you want. Uh, where do it molds, you can do all that. I think the only negative I would say with do it molds is you can't do tungsten. That is the only drawback. Everything else you can make exactly what you right. want. Which I think is super cool. Yeah, and I think too, there's like there's different there's different sides to that too. I mean, just like there's certain things that like I really feel like I need tungsten, and it makes a difference. And then there's certain things like for me, most of the time. I don't really feel like I need a tungsten drop shot weight. Now I know a lot of guys really like that, but like for me, I can see it well on live scope. I think I can see a tungsten slightly better if it's like a situation where I really need to look, but like if it's just fishing the majority of the time, I'm good with lead. Uh, I, I don't mind losing it as much. So that's, uh, that's some of my thoughts. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, so 
coming up is from the basketball. That's going to be a fun show, having to do it molds boys on. Um, Andy, really fast, breeze through what was last week's uh, Lure Lab show. Oh, you're going to make me think this late. What did I do? I I completely <laughs> Carolina rig. Carolina yeah, rig. Carolina rig. Sorry, dude. Uh, my brain is. Yeah, Carolina rig. Um, we had Steve Mui on down there in Florida, and we're talking about winter time, and it really pertains to like Texas, Florida, Southeast when the water's starting to warm, because that's the places are fishing it right now. But um, this week we're going to be doing another like Southeast winter technique, and we're going to be talking about swimming a worm. So that's going to be a fun one for Saturday. Yeah. Florida as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Good stuff. Boys, uh, tonight was an awesome show. Thank you again to Todd for coming on. Uh, I was really serious in wanting to do a co-angler panel. Uh, we did one well like two years ago. Mm-hmm. We did a co-angler panel. Uh, but it would be sick to get on like Lucas and Todd, Brian New, Sakai, like – the, the guys who are just back. a problem. I actually had someone text me during that and send us another uh, co-angler or two that are just killing it. So that'd be a sick show. But uh, fellas, this was a lot of fun. Deacon, congrats again on the the comeback. Great start to the year. Uh, you Thanks. guys should keep up with it. And uh, you guys should uh, follow, one follow Deacon on social, and two bombard his DMs telling him he should start his YouTube channel. Uh, start posting all his tournament footage. Pressure, peer pressure, people. It's actually, it's healthy. It's, it's not unhealthy. Peer pressure is healthy when it's good. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh. Good peer pressure is only healthy when it's good. <laughs> oh, love it. But, uh, uh, everyone that joined in tonight, appreciate you guys. If you're listening to this on MP3, please leave us a rating interview. Helps out big time. But uh, fellas, anything else before we sign off here tonight? Oh. Cool. I just say I can't wait for it to get warm in New York so I can get my boat. Or just be like me and come to Florida because you have parents. Like, yeah. Yeah. Come around. I wish I had parents. Parents. Rich. <laughs> I'll just I'll just go stay here. I'll go stay with Steve and the baby. All right. He'd yeah. probably let me stay there. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm used I to not to... sleeping. So yeah. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see you guys on Friday. <laughs>